Oof. Ah, a little bit rough there, a little bit rough. But not wrong. No, no, not definitely wrong. not wrong. Definitely not wrong. <laughs> G'day, welcome to the Val Bounce, and on this week's episode, we're going to be covering a whole bunch of supercar stuff. We're going to contain the episode purely to supercars because there's been a lot happening, um, and we've got quite a bit to discuss. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Oh, welcome everyone to the uh, to the Val Bounce. It's uh, we're getting there slowly, but surely. Yeah, we're chugging along nice. <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, let's uh, kick off. Obviously, we're going to be discussing supercars today, but uh, Ford win. Ford win. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just put in something <laughs> good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know like, um, you know, like party poppers. Bang! Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yes, finally <laughs> the parody um, changes the arrow that kind of happened. Uh, looks like it made some sort of difference uh, to the tire wear, which is mainly where we saw the big the big deficiencies, but um, it was great for Reynolds. Um, a little bit of time between this and his last win, of course, but um, congratulations. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> five but, years of no popolance. Yeah, off well, that was, a, I was going to say, he did not disappoint uh, <laughs> yet again with a, a fire extinguisher and also a pop plant like he did uh, about five years ago. Um, but also, we uh, we did on the Saturday also have Cam Waters have his, uh, his win is that no well technically he's technically his second win for the season but let's go win. let's go first real win because I don't count I don't even count Anton's win at Townsville because he needed three sets of tyres to do it well true yeah well so, that's within the I framework mean, so yeah. you know but um, but yeah you know, it was really great that um, that he was able to actually get some results because he's really been there or thereabouts all year and has had some pretty bad luck um, um, and then you talk about some of the tyre deficiencies so that was great for Cam as well great burnout yeah finally we get someone else that's doing a great burnout because we know SVG's still probably the king but oh, yeah, yeah awesome burnout from Cam, him Cam Creamed it. It was beautiful. <laughs> Loved it. However, Davey, time to work on that. <laughs> if you're going to win again, you need to work on that. And even you, by uh, by reports, said that you weren't happy with your burnout at the end. So yeah. I'm sure you'll work on that. Barely uh, a burnout. Legally, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I don't know what the rules are these days with supercars, but yeah. No, so. no, that's exactly it. So, yeah. um, all right, so uh, yeah, it's a Gold Coast sort of showed me a little bit of what we've been missing this year. What about you? Yeah, I think from when you start looking at the overall event, um, there's really only been, I, I believe, like Adelaide when it was the Clipsal, probably, yep. you know, really the, after the Clipsal, it sort of slowed down a lot. But that used to be a premier event, which had so, much, so many track activities as yeah. well as, you know, really great on track. But Boost took it to another level. Um, they really did. And... I mean, what was your take on seeing if anybody remembers the VB challenge, <laughs> the boost challenge? I don't know what they officially called it, but... Um, Definitely yeah. boost signage. Um, <laughs> uh, have we said boost enough? Yeah, yeah I'm maybe. not sure. Maybe. Um, we're safe. We're safe? Good. Thanks, Good. Pete. <laughs> yeah, no, look, my take on it was bring it back. Yeah. We need more of that. that that's off track or, like, on track, but 
yeah, party sort of in between yeah. stuff really needs to, to come back because we've really missed that. And yes, we used to call it the VB Challenge back in the day where Steve Johnson would absolutely annihilate Mark Scaife and show that Mark is really not that good of a driver. <laughs> oh, shots, shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Sorry, he is a good driver. But yes, definitely Stevie used to show him up in the old, uh, old Falcon quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we need that little bit of reprieve from just the racing on the track and and a bit of fun in between and i think pete and the boost mobile guys really brought that this weekend or last yeah. weekend I yeah say. last weekend it was great um and i guess you know if you, we then switch to some of the on track stuff you know that it was really strong close hard racing from yeah. from everybody uh, from cam holding off svg and then um clearly uh, what was your take on the battle between reynolds and brody I guess the last couple of laps, really, from when Brody took Reynolds and then it all kind of unfolded from there, didn't it? Yeah, it was an interesting comment by Brody as well as Dave. Like, Dave said that when the other car was right up his backside, um, literally the arrow came away from the back and it made it quite loose. And Brody actually mentioned the same thing when uh, he made or didn't quite make the corner and, and lost the lead again. So it was a really good battle between the two. I think Brody showed that no matter what, he's going to give it everything he can to win yeah. the race, regardless of whether it's a championship on the line or not. Because uh, even, I don't know if you know, but he had contact with Tim Slade in the opening uh, stint of the Saturday race, which actually had a bent rim mm. when they came in. They were surprised that the tide didn't go down from that. So, yep. uh, like, I think that just shows that Brody's just a racer and he's going to go for it no matter what. And the battle between him and Davey was as good as the chase from Shane to Waters in the end on the first race. Yeah, I agree. And, um, okay, let's, uh, well, let's call it Chicane Gate. <laughs> Chicane Gate. <laughs> no doubt that we're a little bit biased, but um, give me your takes on, on what are your thoughts. Uh, I don't like straight lining chicanes, typically. They're corners for a reason. Mm. Um, I will say that in this instant, you can definitely see that Reynolds is out of control going in, and he does attempt to make the corner at the very least. So for me, it was a bit of a play on. I didn't particularly love it but it wasn't so crazy that it was just straight. So at least he made the attempt. He didn't quite get there. Maybe it took away from Brody having a real crack at him, but at the end of the day, the rules are the rules. They adjudicate. I'm not here to adjudicate. I can't make those changes. Um, but yeah, it didn't sit perfectly with me. Let's say that I was probably 60%. It was okay. Yeah, and I think um, having a listen to um, Baird, o Craig Baird on the V8 Sleuth, he gave a great explanation where, you know, it was within the rules. He'd banked it up and been great all weekend, actually. He'd been very minimal on his curb strikes. Yep. Um, and he felt the same thing that, it, that when coming to the corner, definitely lost a little bit of control, braked a little too late trying to go in and just straight lined it. And, you know, it is within the rules. I think overall for the sport that, um, you know, perhaps some fine tuning of that rule of how that works might be, uh, might be better for everyone just to avoid people absolutely taking the mickey and going, you know, straight through for no, um, you know, no default, no uh, loss of uh, track time and just trying to clear the space between them and the competitor. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's really hard at that circuit. 
Like, no matter what, whether you put tyre barriers there, whether it's this line that was hard for anyone to really spot other than through the TV, um, it, it is difficult. I mean, the, I thought the drivers overall did a really good job most of the weekend. There were a few in that first race, which, you know, I thought would happen anyway, yeah. um, who cop five-second penalties, Matt Payne was one of them. I think someone copped 10 seconds. I can't remember who that was, but they, they basically doubled up. Oh, it actually might have been Jack Smith, Jack Smith by, by it memory. Yep. It could be wrong. Tell me if I am. Um, but yeah, it, overall, actually, I kind of preferred this weekend, personally. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think, you know, when all the manufacturers have an opportunity to win, um, and I think... You know, just talking about the straight lining, you know, even Barry was on board where he understood the framework of the rules and was like, you know, that it's within his, his right to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, there was very little of that um, niggling stuff happening off track. Um, Which is nice. Yeah. Because we haven't had that this year. Literally, it's been niggle, 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 niggle all the way through to now. Yeah. So to have that section of it quietened down, mm. I think actually made the event better to watch. Yeah. Um, there was less, I mean, not that supercars typically talk about much anyway, but it felt like there was less niggle around the paddock even and in the press yeah. um, after the after the races. So Yeah, it was, it was good to see. But, mm. um, you know, that might potentially be because normally the people leading the niggle, I'll show my bias here, is Triple Eight, but... What, what, what happened, I mean, we saw Shane obviously have some strong results, but what happened yep. to Brock Feeney? Uh, Brock had a uh, doozy. He, to, to put it bluntly, he, he was nowhere. Uh, yeah. Had no pace. And apparently, I was, I was listening, he, he didn't have pace here last year. Yeah, I can't so remember. I don't remember where yeah. he finished, but he was definitely down the order. So any hope that he had of even getting close to a championship, gone. Yeah. Um, I, like personally, I, what I liked about this weekend was it wasn't just, you know, oh, Fords had the changes. Suddenly we had like six to ten Fords at the front with only one Camaro. What I felt, yeah, th this this was a great balance, right, where we, we had both mm. in the mix, in the hunt, and different. So yep. on the first day, Shane was chasing Cam, and Shane seemed to be in the window. Second day, they made a blue in the qualifying the opposite way around and then we had different people buying for the front up the front of the field um so i i really couldn't complain with the racing over the weekend i thought it was really really good back to brock i don't know what it is about the gold coast so he just doesn't seem to gel with that circuit yeah there's there's lots of circuits that some drivers just never connect with and they never show their full potential i yeah. think that's where you know the greats are able to perform even on bad weekends, they still manage to keep themselves up there. And, yep. you know, I, I guess you know, we talked about comparing to last year where we can't remember where he finished, but it was his rookie season. So we're still in those early stages. We are. Um, I mean, he's 21. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's really young. Um, and, I mean, I, as much as I don't like the beat-up around him when he came into the series because mm. I feel like it was just a bit overdone. Um, yeah, the hype train was real. The hype train was very real. But... He's still a great driver, and he's going to have ups and downs, and he's proved pretty strong so far this year, and so he should, being a triple eight machinery. True. Um, uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds for him at Adelaide, but also next year. He was strong at Adelaide last year, too. Yeah, well, next year, 
He, uh, he was very strong last year at Adelaide, I do remember that. Um, but also we have um, a new teammate for him next year. Yes. So yes. how will that dynamic work? Um, you know, Will seems pretty easy going, so I'm not sure there's going to be too I... much friction to start with. But once the results start um, kicking in, that perhaps if Brown is doing better a better job, I wonder how that's going to go for Brock. Yeah, look, uh, you know, Will's interesting. Since he's made this announcement, <laughs> to go to Triple A, stonks have gone down. Wheels have <laughs> fallen off that that car. Um, I don't understand exactly what's going on, and, and I suppose conspiracy people will be like, "Oh, Erebus is stuffing him over." No, they're not. Um, obviously, he's had some back issues as well, so that that would have definitely played uh, definitely into last weekend. But even previous rounds, if you've you ever had a sore back while trying to drive fast, that would be very difficult. Yeah. Um, so, I what's your take on Will? Other than the back issue, do you do you think he'll be all right once he goes to Triple Eight, or do you think yeah. he's going to struggle a bit? No, I think he's going to be he's going to be great. You always see drivers when they go to you know for from uh, an outfit like Erebus where they really do kind of just pull it all together, and then you see some an outfit like Triple Eight, which is arguably the most professional outfit in the lane. Just their structure around the team, uh, around the drivers, um, you know, the people they have in to support. I think it'll make it easier for him to perform at his best, and so we should see him at least, you know, back where uh, where sort of Shane has been at a minimum. I know Shane's obviously had a bit of a tail off, even though he's second in the championship. Mm. Um, but you know, he's had a tough year with the new car. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those things. I think Will's going to be really good. He's suited to to the Gen Three car, and yep. I think that he he should. Well, there's no there's no excuse for him not to be a front runner. Yeah, all the time in yeah. that in that outfit. I, I agree, and I mean, anyone who goes to Triple Eight, I suppose I have the expectation that they're going to be a front runner. True. So really, that that equipment, although we're a little bit more even, they do do a great job across the board. And as much as they irritate me, you can't really go in on them for that so uh, but but moving on to another one another struggling entity team mm. djr yes what um what's your take on their form slump well let, let's let, for me let's cast back <laughs> we we had an outfit that was team penske so yep. it was djr team penske i, I guess the, the investment the money was definitely greater than there is now no doubt about it yeah um the talk coming off that change where penske exited supercars was that you know it's still the same personnel they really didn't change they didn't get rid of too many people so realistically that structure of the team shouldn't have changed too much but we've just seen in my opinion it's just been a, a gradual decline and especially being the homologation team, it, it's really big concern for, for the Ford camp that they are at the forefront of the changes for Gen 3 cars, but <laughs> they're probably, oh, they're, yeah, I was going to say probably, and I'm like, oh, maybe only cool drive, but they're probably the worst, they are the worst Worst Ford outfit. Um, if you look at the team, um, it's probably hard because Nick Perkat has been disappointingly low compared to Chaz. So yeah. maybe it's a bit bit unfair for me to say that. But yeah, that's that's sort of I'm disappointed with where they are and I, I'm I'm not sure how they're going to move forward. Yeah, look at that and, and that's that's the biggest thing. How do they move forward? I I don't see any roadmap plan that 
says they're going to move forward. They seem to be sitting in that mid to back half. I know they had a, a good Bathurst um, in terms of the 11 car and finishing third, but even apparently the changes that were initially brought in back in Townsville got the other Ford teams annoyed mm -hmm. um, and felt it was, they felt it was the wrong direction to go. So I feel like DJR are a bit lost in, in both the homologation side of things and, and also in their own team outfit. So it's really hard to see them getting back. Yeah. And in I, the short term anyway. And there's been, you know, nothing official, but there's been talk about some of the friction between, in terms of the parity discussion about supercars wanting direction or wanting things changed and then the slowness of the response from DJR. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's been very fruitful and they're pushing for it and other times supercars are wanting some information back before they can make the decision and some of the other four teams in the scuttlebutt around the uh, around the paddock have been talking about how slow it's been and the response hasn't been there. I don't know how true real false that is but um but you know there's always a bit of um you know where there's smoke there's fire so yeah definitely yeah i think they have lost their way it's going to be a massive challenge for them to stay even at their level and not progress to the next sort of um step up um you see like the cool drive outfit uh they're going to be you know tim blanchard will be adding a second car next year and mm -hmm. so you would only expect them to elevate themselves up and that puts DJR at a real risk of being, you know, really at the bottom end of the four teams. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. Um, I suppose this is a good time. I mean, we've sort of touched on parody a little bit, but it's probably time to go to Parody Corner. Parody Corner? Parody Corner! New segment. New segment. Well, you know, it will be for the short term anyway. <laughs> Hopefully we won't be talking <laughs> too much parody later on next year. Maybe the last, first and last time that we have parody corner yes okay. yes what so, do you want to cover here all right so ryan story has returned to the paddock uh this weekend uh he was interviewed by none other than mr speed cafe's <laughs> folks oh sorry what he said folks and i uh managed just to doze off for a second <laughs> for those that haven't listened to a folks podcast it's good good sleeping material yeah um but it was it was actually a good interview. To to be fair, he did yeah. did speak very well. He is well. a great journalist. With no no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, his monotone on the podcast is, is tough very to get through. Definitely, so. I a hundred percent agree. But Ryan had a few interesting uh, quotes. I guess we can take from um, the fact that Ford's not happy, which we we knew to be the case anyway. Yeah. Um, but that, that he did say that supercars have committed the right level of investment now. Um, the most important step now is ensuring that the appropriate brains trust is behind it to make it all happen. Um, and we'll come back to that in a second. Um, they're working hard in the background. We met with them as recent as a few days ago, and we're confident that they're heading in the right direction. I think that you spend good money after bad when you try to uh, try and do things after the fact. Uh, the quotes from Mr. Ryan's story. What are your takeaways from that, David? Yeah, well, firstly, it's great to see him back after, you know, he's, he's been you know struggling with some illness. So yes. it's great to see him back in the paddock. Uh, it's also great to have him back to be a bit more frank and uh, a bit more bold in his, uh, his discussions yeah. because we've I think missed it, him. Yeah, we definitely missed him. And you, you do wonder whether, you know, in reference to the DJR stuff, whether they've missed him too. Um, but it's great that he's been able to really summarize and say what all the fans have been thinking 
and and just put it concisely. I think it's really interesting. I'd love to you know hear what comes out of some of those discussions that were had just recently. Um, and I think we can touch on some of the plans that supercars have announced a bit later on. Yes. But the um, but I think overall it's it's a great message to be able to project there. I just hope he's able to get some traction behind the scenes um, from those discussions. I I definitely feel like this year Ford has missed having him around because he mm. was such such a leader behind the scenes in the political war that goes on. Mm. And I, at the moment, I feel like there's not enough firepower in the Ford corner to sort of combat some of the stuff that uh, seems to be happening. Yep. So uh, that's good. I mean, he did have a little bit of a backhander. Um, he said it's a shame that it's 12 months after the fact uh, because we certainly could have done this 12 months ago and it probably would have been the third of the price. Oof. Ah, a little bit rough there. A little bit rough. But... Not wrong. No, no, not definitely wrong. not wrong. Definitely not <laughs> wrong. Um, interesting to see Barry Ryan's a bit on on board with the old parody discussion and being happy that Ford's up the front. Well, I guess if we yeah we do a little flashback to when we were, Ford were trying to get the changes at Bathurst. Yep. You know his quote famously was I think the only chef team, but his quote was yep. that you know he's like. Give it to them. We'll beat them anyway, yep. uh, which is the right attitude, um, even if you know it was kind of masking his belief. But yeah, I think that was a great start by Barry. That was before he got the data. Well, that is before he. And, got then, the data. and then he got the data, and he said, "Oh, is that what they? Why didn't we just give it to him? Like, why didn't we just give it to him? <laughs> I mean, that's that's in- incredible. Um, I mean, he even came out over the weekend that the racing was awesome, uh, and the fact that two Fords won uh, couldn't have been better for the sport. So, mm-hmm. good old Barry. I'm, I'm not a fan typically, but I've definitely had had suffering. our issues, um, you know, with his frankness and watching him. Uh, behind the scenes with, with some of his team uh, and how he goes about it. But, you know, it wouldn't be Barry without a little bit of a backhander. Um, no. And he said, you know, if they made the changes at Bathurst, it would have been better because they would not have had that big, huge wing on now. <laughs> so there's yeah, always just a little bit with Barry. He's just got to have a little stab. But, you know, it's uh, it's great to see that he's actually just being frank and upfront about it. And, yeah. you know, you don't get the cloak and dagger that we sort of see with some of the... Um, legal challenges that happens with Jamie and Triple H, you know. So, <laughs> so you know that it's it's good for the sport. I think when we see people like this that are able to actually talk and and you know from Ryan to Barry, probably both very candid people. Yeah, and we've we've both said that previously that if they're yeah. they're open, it's great. Um, yeah. So moving on, on in parody corner, obviously. So we'll we'll keep it on. What on subject. Gonna, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? So we're going to see the upgrades to the transient dyno at, uh, I believe it's out in Lilydale, but I could be mistaken. I thought it was Danny Long. Oh, you got told Danny Long? Melbourne. Told, in Melbourne? We'll go with Melbourne. Melbourne's go with good. Melbourne. <laughs> um, so we're waiting on a couple of updates for this uh, coming from the US and from Europe itself. So... Mm-hmm. And there's a little thing of the torque. What do they call them? The torque sensors in the okay. motors. They got an update to the torque sensors. Apparently, they've been. They already have them, but these will a little more minute and pick up any of the losses of yep. through the drivetrain and so okay. forth. Better readings. Better okay. readings. So that that's the idea. Um, and then on top of that, we're going to head to the US. So we're going to Carolina, North Carolina. Was yeah, I right part of uh, NASCAR country. <laughs> yeah, NASCAR. And the wind tunnel, yep. um, which is what people have been talking about for many, many years, I think, as the parody debates have raged over the years. Um, fantastic 
facility that will actually give them ability to throw wind and to turn the car. Yeah. Um, and to be able to read what's coming off it's the back wing, the side skirts, everything. Yeah, everything. And it's also, it's a rolling uh, wind tunnel. So basically you have a road rolling underneath. The car is stationary, but it is moving its wheels as it goes along. So that, that'll also be a, a great addition to, to trying to get the right parity in our parity formula category. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what do um, call it? But it, it came to light that this all came about back when uh, Brody went to the States to race in NASCAR. Uh, supercars went along with him. They spoke to the OEM teams um, and also uh, NASCAR themselves to try and get this happening. So it is looking like it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, and I think you know, broadly having greater or, or a stronger connection to NASCAR, it is a similar kind of format. Um, NASCAR is further along there, chuck the stickers on to make it different, everything the same. But I think you know they do things really well. I think their rollout of their latest uh, generation of cars was completed much better and it, you know Definitely. it's a bigger business so rightfully so but you know taking the lead on on getting them to assist and, and to drive some of the uh, the changes that we need to see hopefully fingers crossed bodes well <laughs> for 2024 um but yeah i think it's a positive outcome it's definitely a positive outcome it's going to cost supercars quite a bit of money i can imagine um which sort of brings me back to a topic that I didn't cover earlier, mm-hmm. um, which was we had a release by Cameron England, uh, a report, I should say, an article, uh, about the race consortium that made a $2.7 million loss over the past 15 months. Yeah. Which are the owners of the supercars, if you're unaware. Yeah, race is the consortium that owns supercars and, yes. and bought it from um, the Archer Equity Company. Yes. Um, and I think uh, reading that report, which was in the Australian, um, yeah. I think the biggest thing that stood out for me just with my background and stuff was that uh, where he said races current liabilities exceeded its current assets by 4.9 million dollars with a current asset deficit a key indicator of financial stress um, um can i can i ask a question yeah does, does that mean that it could be potential bankruptcy do they need a buyout they need a buyout. That is in business. That that is a very bleager output, and you either need a massive chunk of money from investment, or you need someone to buy out and to take hold of some of that debt with with a plan to to uh, resolve it. Um, it's a it's a massive challenge that supercars is in this position. Mm. Um, because yeah, by a lot of other businesses who probably don't have some of the other incomes you know, committed, like they've got the, the, obviously the TV and other sponsorship stuff where they do have some money coming in that most businesses would be looking at towards bankruptcy at this stage. So wow. it's pretty serious. It was a massive shock to see that report. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, uh, I guess, you know, now given that it is a bit bleak for them, their next steps, you know, possible buyouts. There's been some rumors of that. Yeah, there is. So they, they actually turned down uh, an offer back in July last year, I believe, which was by Fantech. Uh, they're a European media and entertainment 
Yeah, allegedly. Alleg- oh, sorry, allegedly. I should say that. They never confirmed it. No, no. No, they said that we've had lots of interest, etc. But yes, yes, you're right. So, <laughs> so it was Fantech that apparently, yep. allegedly, uh, yep. was, was looking to buy it out um, and was rejected. Uh, the other rumour that sort of has gone by the quiet side were the Shahin brothers. Yeah, the Shahims, a couple yeah, of months depends. back, I think it sort of started leaking that they, they were potentially looking at it. Um, there were, um, you know, very, very um, astute businessmen. Yeah. They run the band complex. They do. Um, they also have are in the process of selling their big retail chain, which is um, yeah. a fuel and um, uh, yeah, called OTR, OTR you know, yeah. fuel yeah. And, and convenience stores in uh, mostly in Adelaide, but elsewhere as well. Yeah. Um, which would give them the financial ability to purchase it. So definitely, you know, and I, and I think. But given that they are racist themselves and they have such a great business sound um, background, I think it would be great for them if it was to eventuate. I think it'd be a fantastic outcome for supercars and the fans. Yeah, I, I tend to agree because, I mean, you only have to look at the drag racing complex like Bells at the Ben Motorsport Park. Just oh. oh, that... that- that amazing. is amazing. So if, if they can buy in or buy out, I think that would be great. I mean, Peter Addison's been pretty vocal over this for, for a no, good, good 15 months or no so. No kidding. Um, Since he, uh, when he lost the, his bid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which would have seen, I think, a much better outcome if he was that person, if they were in charge. But, um, but you know, yes. They, they kind of need, uh, and, uh, it's, they, they say dictatorship is bad, but I think in this type of, category we do need a dictator it worked really well when coco coco tony cochran <laughs> mr cochran um <laughs> was in charge yeah and we saw the best time of supercars throughout his yeah, throughout his reign. his reign so i think we do need to get away from this committee style and if that's the shahins at the top and calling the the shots and the teams lose a little bit of their power because i think some of them have a little bit too much power um yeah. I think that can only be a good thing for the sport. Yeah, I'm a big one for... There should be sort of influence. There should be... uh, The team should have input to be able to help shape it. But ultimately, the decision needs to be made by someone else. They shouldn't have veto power. They shouldn't have that sort of portion of control because all it does, you know, especially... Uh, as an example, with the with the parody stuff, you have more Chev teams than Ford teams. Um, where does that leave you when you're making decisions and it comes back to the teams uh, when you're not following the full parody? Um, what's that clause? <laughs> they, they, they flagged oh. the, the parody adjustment clause or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but prior to that, you know, it comes down to the teams making the decision. It's just not it's not in the interest of the sport because people no. are always going to be selfish towards their um, their allegiances where they as they should be. Absolutely. They're protecting their own interests and they want to win races. So if they've got a performance advantage, they're going to want to take it. And now to Larko's Luck Award. And today it's going to... Scotty Pye. Scotty. Well done, mate. (laughs) So what is the uh, Larko Luck Award? All right, Larko's Luck Award. Well, we all know that when Mark Larkin first came into supercars back, uh, what, 95 with that EF Falcon, I'm pretty sure it was. He had the worst luck for like four or five (laughs) years. And Scotty Pye has taken the inaugural trophy with the flick spin by Mr. Golding. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so... If you didn't see it, um, yeah, Golding lost control, was kind of just offline. Um, <laughs> yellows were placed out. Numerous cars did get by, 
but he decided to do his flick spin as Scott Pye was coming through the chicane, so he came out of it, yep. and yeah, they ended up uh, whack. big big collision, which took Scotty out, you know, ruined his, his weekend. It was on for a really great result. Yep. Um, and I guess initially there was some niggle back and forward that was happening online where Mr. Pye was a little upset, as you should be. A little? I guess. A little? Yeah, having a big All crack right, at yeah. uh, Beardo <laughs> yeah, to, uh, to sort of say, you know, like, you know, why wasn't there a penalty? And I must say, I was on board with Pi. I thought something should have happened. Listening to Beardo on the podcast um, with Noons, with Aaron Noonan, mm. maybe I've softened a little bit. Maybe there isn't really a penalty that can be given when you're not re-entering a track. You're already on the track and just someone makes a dumb decision. Yeah. Um, so there's no doubt Golding... You know, he screwed up. My my, mm. my argument on that is is more around there is nowhere on a street circuit where you're off track. Yeah. So therefore, it's still a re-entry because you're facing the wrong way. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, it, it comes down to a couple of things, and I think there's a bit of onus on both drivers here and crews. Um, I think Golding should have been or his crew members should have been informing him when it was a right time to do a flick spin correct um but also i think uh the onus is on team 18 to inform pi that there is a car facing the wrong direction on the exit of the first chicane yeah and then he could have had a better idea or understanding of of what's actually going on rather than just you see a yellow flag but you don't actually know where that car might or might not be. And that's that's where I think the, the big onus on Scott Pye is, is that there was a yellow out. Um, you know, he was obviously in a rhythm to try and catch up to the pack. Um, and so probably didn't, in my opinion, didn't quite give the yellow flag the due notice that it should have. His team definitely should have been telling him the car was spun on the exit and so that he should be slowing down. Um, even more so, um, you know, there were other competitors that actually ended up straight lining because they were told he was on the exit. They didn't yep. know where, so they just straight lined to go around. Um, and you know, that was probably the right decision that should have happened for everyone. But it, it was, it's definitely one of those, uh, the, the luck of Larco struck definitely. beautifully. So, and on a weekend where the Hino Kamara actually looks oh, really good I in that good. delivery. I mean, all right. So, yeah. so congratulations, Scott Pye. Well done. Uh, unlucky, <laughs> some might say. Um, but yes, let, let's let's switch to the livery of that Hino just yeah. quickly because um, that was probably one of the best looking Camaros I have ever seen. Yeah. Regardless of any livery, and I know it was pretty basic, but yeah, well, you know, uh, the the old less is more. It was just you know such a clean and and well designed with that yeah. vintage sort of style. Um, and I think it was great to see the cars looking good. Um, you know, we had a few changes over the Bathurst uh, period of some cars that got um, got prettied up, and yes. you know, some were alright. But this is by far the best Camaro that I've seen. I think. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I put that. Probably just slightly ahead of the current Penrite livery that they're running because I really like that. I know you're probably a little oh. bit different on that, but I really like that livery. I don't like it at all. I want to go back to <laughs> before the um, where we had the Sandown. You want Sandown? You want the Federation back? I love the Federation back. <laughs> that, that would be so that's ultimate. Speaking of Federation, the old Moffat. We might might just be a little bit biased on that on that front. <laughs> I, do, I do love that. And it was such a great, you know, the Sandown event, which was traditionally, you know, the more retro round, but then they changed 
to this. Well, it's like a poo gold. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not it's a fan. A brushed bronze, mate. <sighs> brushed brushed bronze. bronze. It looks beautiful on track. Absolutely sensational. So with that, it's time to wrap up the episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, if you have enjoyed the content. And um, we look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Definitely. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Cheers. See you next one. Bye. Bye.